I'm Stephen Downey and you are very welcome to episode 36 of the Mindful Living Guide. This week we are chatting to a great guy, Stephen Morn, about OCD. It's a thing that Steve will say himself is really misunderstood and um, like he says actually in the conversation, some people think it's just about cleaning. It's not. It's a real difficult mental illness that unfortunately Stephen has had to... Um, had to live with and we get to talk about many things on his journey what it's like to live with OCD how he was misdiagnosed for many years and what the difference is between perfectionism and OCD it's a great conversation and some fantastic tips from Steve on on how to as he put it in his own words accept but not accept the diagnosis that he was given He's a great guy, it's a great conversation and it's part of our series of getting men to talk about our mental health. So I really hope you enjoy this week's episode of The Mindful Living Guide. So you're very welcome back to another episode of the Mindful Living Guide. I am absolutely delighted to finally sit down with our guest today. Uh, we had a chat about this well over a year ago uh, in a forest and uh, it seemed like a great idea at the time. And I hung up my microphone for a year. Uh, but when I when I put them back on, I said it was one person in particular I wanted to talk about. And today I am talking to Stephen Morn. He is a very active member of the Irish Trail Runners, but also the founder of a fantastic group called Mind, Body and Mountains. And uh, Steve, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Steve-o. The, uh, as, as we said um, a few weeks ago when we talked about this, um, one of the things about my podcast at the moment is that I want to try and make it a lot more transparent for men to just stand, sit there and, oh, and talk about their mental health. And one way of doing that is by having open conversations ourselves. So people know it's okay to chat. Um, so I'm very happy to have it on. Uh, for people who don't, don't know you at all, can you give just a, a background about yourself, about your running, and then we'll we'll go into the, the your general journey as well. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, so uh, yeah, just a bit of background on myself. Look, I'm I'm 47 year old lad. I'm uh, lived a lived a, a normal life, I suppose. Uh, um always mad into sport, stuff like that. My big love when I was growing up was soccer. Um, I was that lad where you see him running up and down, up to the shops, back from the shops with the ball. That, that was me, like, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I was very active, you know, always into exercise and, and uh, school sports and running and all that kind of thing, you know. And then as I got older and injuries and all came along, I, I got big time into uh, running. Um. And I had a bit of back trouble over the years. So getting back into running was a bit scary at the start. But when I got back into it, I, I, I fell in love with it again. And that was especially the day. And I think it was around five years ago, I went up doing, to do a trail run. And um, I, I remember going up that morning and thinking, right, this is going to be different running up and down mountains and hills. And I knew it was going to be a challenge. But um, I, I fell in love with it from day one. And it, if I'm, without being dramatic, it, it helped change my life in many ways, like, you know. Um and uh, I've been doing it about five years. I and uh, it's really helped me in kind of what made my whole life, I suppose. Um, but yeah, and like it's one of the, one of the reasons that I wanted to come on as well to talk because as part of that conversation, um, we had that day, 
Um, you opened up about your your own health problems over the years and how running has made a massive uh, difference to it. And um, it's one thing that I, I, I'm dying to talk about because it's something I think that's misunderstood a lot uh, is that you've suffered with OCD uh, in the past. And uh, can you tell people just a, about what it is and what the difference it makes in your life? Sure, yeah. Yeah, so... I was diagnosed with OCD in 2018, right? I reckon, I estimate I was living with it for about four years before that without really knowing what it was, right? And the word you use there, Stephen, misunderstood is that, ne- that I put that word in neon lights when it comes to OCD because OCD is unbelievably misunderstood. It's a, it's a term that's thrown around very lightly. It's a term that's thrown around nearly in a comedy way as well. Uh, which is a bit frustrating, but it is um, the reality of OCD is it's a, it's a very, very serious mental health uh, illness um, disorder and disorder being the, 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 the main word there, which is, is kind of misunderstood. OCD is thought of as just that people who want to keep things clean, who people who want to keep things in order. Um, you might want all their pictures straight, but that's it. But the reality of OCD is that people that are living with it um, it's it's a living hell. It is an absolute living hell, um, and I can speak I can speak so much about it. It's unreal. So if you can imagine, for me, um, I was living with it for four years, not knowing what it was. Kind of misdiagnosed, getting treated for um, anxiety, um, and it it really shook shook me to the core for that for that period of time. And not only that period of time, but until I got my um my until I got actually diagnosed with it. Um, I was living, I was trying just barely keep my head above water, living life, right? And the, the, I suppose if you were to Google OCD tomorrow or today, and there's loads of information about it, it will give you that just two parts of it, right? First of all, there's obsessive thoughts, okay, that are over, really overwhelming. Um, they lead to anxiety. Uh, you know, you start to catastrophize these thoughts. And then what happens is the next stage is the compulsions, right? So somebody with OCD, and I'll give you an example of a thought, right? Um, somebody would say checking OCD, right? And that would have affected me in work at the time. So what happens is, so I'd go and my my job and, you know, it's a lot of checking batch numbers and, and sell by dates and stuff like that's really, really important. So my um, thought would be, okay, so I've just checked a, a batch number, right? I'm happy with that. Two seconds later, did you check that properly, right? And then I'd go back and I'd check it again. And at my absolute worst, I'd be going back checking four, five, six times, right? So that that that's at the moment might sound to somebody like something, okay, that's okay. So you're going back and checking. But the reality of it is my brain then starts going, okay, well, what if you didn't check that properly? And what if this product, you know, goes out to market? And what if somebody uses this product and they die? And that is, that's the catastrophizing side of OCD, right? The next stage would be the compulsion and the compulsion to things I would do to then try and stop my brain thinking this way, right? And the compulsion would be, I'd, first of all, I might, I might force myself back down to check the batch number again. Then I might, uh, if I went home from work, for example, and I couldn't shake the thought, I'm getting out paper and I'm writing down, okay, this is okay. You know, these are reasons it's okay. You start doing everything you can to justify to yourself or convince yourself that everything's okay. But the problem with OCD is OCD does not let that go. 
and OCD holds on to that. It, it, it attacks your core values, stuff that's important to you, that, you know, where you're a good person and you want to do right. And that's just kind of, that's one example of, of how, I suppose, OCD just basically can take over your life, how debilitating it is. And I had that 24-7, 365 for, and it, so for four years, and then I'd say for another year and a half after getting diagnosed until I started started to really get a hold but really learn how to manage it mm. uh, to start to recover and that's just one example and that's quite that's a mild example i'm actually giving there but it's to try and let people understand what somebody with ocd is going through um and that's that's checking ocd right yeah there's all different types of ocd i had another one called hit and run ocd where i'd be driving around in my car over and over again back to the same spot thinking i'd hit somebody and the rational side of my brain would be saying, you know, you didn't hit somebody, but the OCD taken over has me wow. convinced I've hit somebody. And I remember, you know, at times coming home from work or coming home from being out, say, 45 minutes to an hour late, and my wife kind of going, what happened? Like, where were you? And I'm making all these excuses, mm-hmm. but I've been driving around for 45 minutes, going back to the same spot and checking to make sure there's nobody dead or there's no ambulance there. So but when I'm ex- explaining to people, I'm trying to let them understand, can you not, not just to listen to that, but to actually try and try and think about that for a minute and go, can you imagine if that was me, you know, and that's the reality of, of what OCD is. It's not a quirky um, behavior trait. It's a serious, serious illness and it what, destroys people. One thing that struck me when we were chatting about it and I was talking about someone I know and, um, I thought that maybe it might be a kind of a, a perfectionism in them. And um, it was actually when I said, you you actually let me talk at a time uh, for a few minutes about it and said nothing. And then I said something about they had an obsession that if they didn't do this, something bad would happen to other members of their family. And I think that was the trigger where you, you just stopped me and tried to say, Stephen, that's definitely OCD. There was like a wasn't it if if the if the overriding thought is convinced there's a consequence to that thought. That's the, would that be saying right? You you've absolutely hit the nail on the head, and and I do remember that conversation. Yeah. And you're one of a, a few people in my life who I've met who I've had this conversation with when mm-hmm. I'm able to through through an experience that I don't want in my life. I'm able to see okay, that sounds to me like it's OCD. And that's an, that's another example of OCD, basically, that you've described there, where somebody, um, their OCD is affecting them in a way that they think bad things are going to happen to, say, a family member, a friend, um, who, whatever family member. Normally, it's with people close to you, because, again, OCD attacks your core values, right? So they would say that oh, the OCD is affecting them in such a bad way that they think, okay, well, if I don't wash my hands for 20 minutes, um, if I don't flick the light switch, 48 times my parents are going to die mm-hmm. now that can sound ridiculous and i've seen it joked about before right mm-hmm. but the reality is that is ocd at its absolute worst and that person is so stuck in that obsessive thought and then their compulsion or their ritual after by flicking that light 48 times and um, that is that's ocd that's ocd mm-hmm. at its absolute worst and in, in ocd's case at its best because it's for OCD, for somebody with OCD, the OCD in that scenario is winning, it's beating them. But yeah, that's another example. And again, I try to say to people, try and absorb that moment, 
try to think about what your life would be like if, if that's the way you were, you know. And that's why it's so debilitating, sorry, debilitating, Stephen. It's, uh, it's, it's horrendous, like, you know. I was literally saying the, about to say the same word. It's just, it just sounds like so deb- uh, debilitating to, to be kind of yeah. stuck in those constant uh, thoughts like that. Um, yeah. What if, like, you, you went through four years of this and then you went and you got diagnosed. Was there a turning point there then? That you said right this this is too much i need to i need to get help on this yeah um i suppose in that time before i got diagnosed a little part of me knew especially near the end of the four-year period not long before i got diagnosed i'd be very i'm i'm very aware of my own thoughts which is good right i think it's a great thing no matter what yeah. has come along in my life because of that i think it's a great thing and it was part of me going, I've got stagnant here. So getting treated for anxiety, et cetera, I was getting to a certain point and I was feeling better to a certain point, but it still wasn't right. I knew there was something not right because I was still giving in to OCD without realizing it, you know. Um, and I suppose for me, I wouldn't even call it a turning point. And I hope this really helps somebody listen to this. I'd call it not accepting the way I was, knowing I could be better. So I remember once, well, not to go off subject, but I, I'll come back to a point I made one time about uh, accepting it, but not accepting it. So uh, remind me there somewhere along the yeah. way to talk about that. So I, I wouldn't call it a turning point. I'd call it more for anybody out there struggling, having it in you to, to look at yourself and say, okay, do I think I'm at a point where I'm managing my mental health illness really well or do I think there could be improvements Can, do, I, do I see myself or have I seen other examples of maybe where I this could be better and that's what it was for me not giving up all you know being aware and going okay yeah I, I, I'm at a certain point but this is still not right I'm still really I'm still really struggling here like you know so for that reason Steve I started I was always still looking out for for better health and listening and kind of researching and stuff like that and my wife basically, how I found out about um, OCD, because I didn't know a lot about it myself at the time, was my wife, uh, Trees, was listening to the radio one day. And there was a girl, a lady on called Leslie Shoemaker, who was actually the founder of OCD Ireland and is an expert in OCD. She was on, I think she was on the Nicky Bourne show. I think it was on, on Today FM or 2FM, whatever it was. But Teresa heard this one day just driving along in the car and she was talking about OCD. And obviously, she Teresa recognized from the outside looking in Wow, that's that's a lot of that, Stephen, right? So she came home to me, and look, cutting a long story short, she basically said, "Look, have a look at this, you know, have, or sorry, Google, go onto the website, have a, or go onto the um, yeah, go onto the two FM website, and see if you can find that uh, show." So obviously, I found it very easily. It was, it was there on the day, and I listened to the talk that they had with with Leslie. And while I wasn't able to relate to a lot of it, it was two or three, two parts. I remember that was like I was like, "Oh my God, this is totally me." It must and have been I like a eureka moment. moment. Yeah, it was a eureka moment. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I wanted to get um talk to the girl maybe and get diagnosed yeah. uh, properly. Yeah. So that's what I did. I ended up getting touch with Leslie and I went into her. And basically within half an hour of talking, she she said basically said to me, Look, I'm sorry to tell you this, but this is OCD. Um, you probably have been just been misdiagnosed through no fault of anybody because OCD is a very specialized kind of a uh, mental health illness. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, so there is a bit of a journey for you. It's very tough, but you'll get there kind of thing. So 
um, turning points. I think there is turning points in life, but I think in this case it was more just not not giving up, not accepting until I felt like I okay now I'm managing this, you know. Mm-hmm. Wow, and uh, and from there then the journey like it's um. What kind of tools? I I know obviously your you, your first advice were for people to go talk go talk to people because I'm sure that there's so many different types of OCD and so many things that. But if you could give any sort of tools to people um to help them along their journey, mm. uh, what would you advise? Is this with OCD in particular? Just, just no OCD in particular, and yeah. then maybe maybe in men- mental health in general. Then after that, okay, but, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's an I'm, I actually love that question because. Again, it, it's it's trying to help people and, and maybe they can take two or three things from what we, we are talking about today and Absolutely. go, God, I might try that, you know? Yeah. So my advice is, is always the same. It'd be very consistent is that first of all, you know, and I use this term in a very serious way because I think the never give up term can be very a passive term. So people can see it and go, oh yeah, never go. That's great. But actually never give up be put into action is is so strong and so powerful, right? So I never gave up basically right so for me um the advice i can give based on that is um whatever first of all you're, you're looking to get diagnosed right you're looking to get diagnosed with what it is and it's not instant sometimes it can take time in fact the figures for ocd say that it can take up to nine years to get diagnosed right because ocd is so misunderstood and and um there's a lot of special, a lot of say counselors out there and doctors out there who don't know an awful lot about it. Now I have firsthand experience of speaking to doctors who didn't have a clue about OCD, and that's no fault of theirs. But the problem is, they I've I've experienced them saying they knew all about it, but when I look back to stuff they were saying to me, they didn't actually know anything about it, and that that can be a little bit dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's the, the best advice is that no matter what mental health health illness that you're going through with OCD in particular, it's, you know, having that awareness in yourself of whatever you're getting treated. So if you're getting treated for anxiety, for example, and you, you, you get to a certain point and you're doing really, really well, but you know, within yourself that there's just something, there's more can be done. It's reaching out again. It's kind of reaching out again. So it, it's like, you, you know, Getting getting diagnosed is the ultra most important thing in any mental health illness in order to start your recovery. Once you get diagnosed, then then you can then you, the building blocks come in place. So when I got diagnosed with OCD, then I was put in touch with an, an OCD uh, psychiatrist who was an absolute expert in it, who knew everything about it. I was on medication at the time, but then when I went to this guy, then I was on the correct medication, right? So there's there's your path. You get diagnosed by an expert. You then go to a doctor or a, or a psychiatrist who's an expert. So you're getting the help from the specialist. Then you're getting the right medication from the doctor. And then it, that gave me the calmness and, and the, the control to, to actually be able to nearly go from being my mind going 24-7 crazy to suddenly it was like, okay, okay, I have this calmness about me now. And now I'm able to put into play the tools they're giving me to help myself. And for me, that's what it was. And I, when I'm, ex- I'm explaining that, and there's quite a lot to it, and I totally understand that, because sometimes when you ask the question, you're told it's very simple. Oh, you just do this and you just do this. Oh, yeah, talk to somebody. It's right. And I, and I understand that. But to really get the help, I think it's important to, tell, to show people, first of all, it's not a quick fix. 
it's not an easy journey. There will be loads of, there will be, I suppose not, not, um, I suppose not mishaps along the way, but little um trips along the way until you get there. But by not giving up and not accepting until you feel right that eventually that you will get there. It it sounds more like a, a journey than a destination that oh, you have to realize that it's gonna be it's gonna be on. And I think it's extremely important as well. One of the points we're making here is that while we give tips on that, every single person, no matter what mental health um issue you may identify with, that mm. every single person is different. That yeah. you can't listen to one person and say, Oh, I did this and this will fix you. It won't. Yeah. You need, this is why we need to talk to open up these conversations so people talk to professionals and 100%, understand yeah. what 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 kind of will help them in their journey um mm. one thing that i i know is has been very very helpful for you has been exercise would it be right in yeah that? yeah oh listen 100 percent. exercise is probably um i remember talking to my own gp who's and she's i, I love her she's absolutely brilliant and she was saying to me that that, that exercise is the most underutilized uh, tool for mental health um, I've always been into my exercise and I think that's really helped me in life in general anyway but as part of my own recovery um, it was it was I, 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 I think getting the medication was brilliant because that gives you the calmness that you can start to help yourself right but um, the, the exercise along with other things was absolutely key to my own recovery because the exercise as we know we hear it all the time it, re- it releases the feel good endorphins and that kind of thing but um, it's again that can be a very passive thing. People hear it, but when you put that into action, as part of a mental health journey, as part of recovery, and maybe somebody who's even not suffering with mental health, just exercise alone, the feeling it gives you is just unbelievable. It's beautiful. It's it really is unreal. Um, so that was part. That was part of a few little uh, things that I put together for for my own recovery. Um, I I think running up the mountains was though a bit of a bonus at the time because you know again one of the things that really helps all people is getting out in nature you know uh th- there's being around trees and, and and i know people laugh about hugging a tree but that actually does amazing things for there's, you it's, it's really good you're great, in nature you're... there's a great quote i saw on your facebook page actually and it says mm. i took i took a walk in the woods and i came out taller than the trees exactly. i think that's that sums up what you're saying very very well i think yeah it does. It's 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 unbelievable, and, and I I just fell in love with it, and it nearly became gas suffering from OCD, and it became an obsession. But there you go, <laughs> um, massive part of my recovery, and um, I, uh, I I at the time it was um when you just I remembered some of the mornings going up right, and I could have had an absolutely horrendous day the day before, or that morning, or probably driving up. That's how bad it was at one stage. But you get up. You run around the mountains for five kilometers, 10 kilometers, whatever you do. You're talking to people. You're away from the norm. You know, you're getting a break from the norm, which is a key part of recovery as well, changing up what you do. And you come back down, you've sweated, you've exercised, you've maybe talked to people, you've maybe got some stuff off your chest. You go home and you're set up for the whole day. You're set up for the weekend. Sometimes you're set up for days, you know, and it can just be the difference between maybe sitting at home overthinking, for example, because if you, you know, the more you're at home overthinking this stuff, it can really get in on you. So yeah, I, I can't, I, again, when it comes to advice, it's, um, you know, get diagnosed, you know, talk to specialists, get the help you need, go and talk in groups. If you, if, if you can get a really good uh, therapist, if you can exercise, 
diet. Here's one of the biggest things my psychologist said to me, a psychiatrist, sorry, said to me. He asked me, three, he, said, he pointed out, three, before we even started talking about OCD, he said, one, do you, get, do you sleep properly? Two, is your diet good? And three, do you exercise? My answer to all of them was, was yes, because I do look after myself. Yeah. But before we even talked about OCD, he said, they're the three elements I need you doing in order to then start really helping yourself recover. And I love that because it's the basics, isn't it? Yeah. Sleep, food, exercise. That's, that's anybody going through anything. They are your key elements. It's so over. It's so overlooked in so many other things, though, as well. That like how mm. fundamental that is. And uh, I know, like I've I've let my exercise slip over the last few years, and I can see a, a massive difference in okay. my own kind of. I think I won't say just just my health, but my my approach to myself. I think when I've been exercising and I've been out there and I've gone on on some of the walks, I I I have <laughs> haven't progressed to the to run it up and down mountains like a goat like yourself now, but <laughs> um. The I have gone out on a few of the walks in the nature in nature and I've noticed such a difference. And yeah. like you said, it's I don't know if it's just the endorphins or what, but or just seeing the view and just just being able to look down over the world. Like it's just it's mm. we have so we are blessed to have some of we won't live uh within the Dublin region and just to have some of the most beautiful scenic uh mountain ranges around uh or on our doorstep. Like it's it's just it's amazing. It is, you know, and, and you, you've, you've actually, the way you described it there is very good. You don't know where it's the endorphins. It's the walk. It's looking down on the world. I when There's a part, actually, there's a few parts around Crua and even around the Hellfire Club where you can, you actually, and, and our, one of our coaches in the running club encourages us to stop because you, when your head down, is down running, it's very easy to keep running, you know. He said he encourages us to stop and at moments take a little look and when I'm, do, when I'm doing it, I'm standing there in the mountains on a Saturday morning. It's, it, it is beautifully quiet. And you look down at Dublin City and I say, well, that's the madness. This is the calm. And that's what it is. I think what you're saying there when you're walking out in nature, Steve-O, and you're, you're, you, you've said to treat them there and you're going, I'm wondering what it is. And it, it's all three. It is all three. It's, uh, and, and anybody that over the years that we and I have introduced to, to this kind of a, an environment, they just love it. And they're saying it to you, oh my God, I'm so glad I started this. I'm so glad I'm out here. And even walking around, people open up to you as well. You know that like they, they, they start to open up to you too. And that's what it's all about because we're just trying to help, isn't it? It's so simple, just just trying to help. And yeah. um, even if it's just, I know you hear it all the time, but even if it's one person, mm-hmm. um, a small little thing like getting them out of their house and seeing like-minded people up you know having a little walk up in the mountains it's it's priceless it's absolutely priceless yeah it's brilliant if we go back to you were asking me earlier on to remind you about accepting and not mm. accepting um do you want to go back into that 100 percent, yeah um when i first got diagnosed with the ocd um at the time then i was going through that part of my journey and trying to find what would help mm. one of the things was ocd ireland would do talks um in um St. Patrick's and uh, uh Leslie was the one who actually put me on to that. So she said as part of, you know, let, let's let's start getting you the help you need to she recommended going to them. So I started going to them. That would have been yeah, that would have been kind of late 2018 and into early 2019. So um basically what it is is you go along, there's a couple of nights to do them and you sit around and it's it is um depending how many are there, 10 to 20 people who suffer with OCD all the different types as well that I would have read about in some of the books. And it's a circle, 
like very, you know, like you see on TV and all that, you've got a, a couple of people who are experts who are kind of, you know, running, running the, the, the class and you basically get to talk, you get to open up about your OCD, you get to listen to other people and it gives you such a sense of relief listening to other people who have OCD and are similar to you and they know exactly what you're going through. So, you know, I talked no problem on the first night. I just let get a few things off my chest and I continued going for a period of time. But as I was going, obviously I was still, bit, you know, I was still on a journey and still very much getting better and learning how to manage my OCD. And I was going in the right direction very, very slowly. So I remember one of the last ones I was at, I said, um, I was chatting away and I said to them, when it comes to my OCD, one thing, the point, the point in time I'm at now is that I accept it, but I don't accept it. And I could see them looking around, what, what the hell is he talking about? Like, you know, people are, what does that mean? And I said, well, I accept that I have OCD, but I don't accept it taking over my life. And that's, a, that's been a massive help for me because, yeah, I accepted it. And I was, because I'm quite, I'd be a very positive person. I said, right. I said, this is the card I've been dealt. Do I sit around moping about this or do I get on with it? And I, and, I don't mean as in when in, in years gone by and old, you know, older times, people say you just have to get on with it. Not at all. But I said, I can either sit and feel sorry for myself or I can say, right, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to learn to manage this, not to get rid of it, to learn to manage it. So that's what I mean by that. I accepted I had an OCD. I said, right, that's the card I've been dealt, you know, but I said, I'm not accepting feeling this way and it's taking over my life and it's ruining my life. And I said, so I'm going to do whatever I can to get to a level where I'm managing it well and I can start living life again. And I've used that. I've used, that's been a massive part, just using that thing alone uh, to get better, you know. That and after that a... chat, sorry, just the, the thing was, after that chat, the amount of, of people in the group that came to me and went, oh my God, that's a, such a cool way of thinking about it. And even the girls who, who were running it at the time came out, and said, came out and actually called me back. And they just said, we've actually never heard somebody in one of the groups ever speak that way. I said, look, I said, I'm just being me. That's who I am. That's helped me. And I just shared it with the group. It's, it's as simple as that. Like, you know, and it's it's a massive, it's a massive statement. I think it's I think anybody with with mental health illness could use that and it would really help them. If you you know, it's like a an affirmation nearly, isn't it? It's such a powerful, powerful thing to do because mm. there's many things when something like this happens to us and it's 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 a shock. It's it's something different, it's something that we're not expecting, but we may want to kind of ignore it or switch it off and kind of say right no that's not part of me or but to actually just accept yes this is part of me but uh, it's not going to take over my life Mm. and i think it goes down down to it's learning to live with it rather than against it absolutely yeah yeah that's um, that's totally it learning to live with it Stephen, is exactly it it's uh it's not the nicest thing you hear when somebody tells you you've got a mental health illness that in, in general, it's it, OCD, it said that you can't get rid of it, mm-hmm. but you can learn to manage it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and when I did my own research as well, I kind of seen that, look, it's not, it's not, I don't know the statistic or anything like that. And I did hear of one or two cases where people completely, it was gone from their lives. Mm-hmm. But in general, what you see is, and I, and I hate saying this, you see a lot of people suffering with it who just cannot get themselves to a level that they can manage it. And I do understand that. I really do. Um, but if you can get to a level where you can manage it, and it does take hard work, it's not easy. That's where you want to be. You want to be managing at a level that you can get yourself back living life, you know, going to work comfortably, 
socializing comfortably um because ocd actually takes over your social life as well yeah um one of the ways another way it affected me and this is to help give people a, a variation of the ways that it can affect you is that i got to a point you know i think from what you know of me you know i'm a chatty guy i come across confident i'm a bit of laugh i'm a bit of crack i don't take life too serious and that's because of what i've seen in my own life over the years and all that I t- we sh- none of us should take life too serious right when ocd had a grip on me i was a shell of a man and so one of the ways it affected me is if i was having a conversation either in with an individual or with a group of people i would have that conversation and go away and dissect every last detail thinking okay what did i say to that person have i upset that person have i offended that person have i said something wrong now we all have them kind of thoughts you know that that's 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 a fact we all have them kind of thoughts but with somebody at ocd it's multiplied by a thousand and then it's it's catastrophized by a million and that's 24 7 365 so i became i remember sitting in the canteen and work i remember just even being out with friends and i would sit there in silence because i was afraid to talk in case i offended anybody or i said something that was wrong or that would get somebody into trouble and um it's uh, that's another another example of how it affects people like you know so yeah learning to manage it is key I think I think the word you're you're saying there, but the the catastrophizing the sorry yeah. saying wrong catastrophizing side of it is yeah. what makes a, ma- a massive difference on it because I I know for myself I've I in the past now I I suffer with with anxiety a bit and it'd be a, a, a similar experience where I'd have a conversation with someone and I'd relive it over and over again yeah. but it would be to a certain level it wouldn't you wouldn't catastrophize and I think that's the one big thing I took from the conversation that we had a while ago about this. Mm is how um how serious the conversation can get in your head and how much worry you you would have which is, is it makes a major difference in it um yeah one a few things i'm I'm noticing here and from from my mindfulness training and one of the things that we we'd love to get to um is that to be able to separate the thoughts from yourself and there's a phrase i, I often use when i'm meditating is that my thoughts are not my own and that it it seems like that like would the likes of meditation or mindfulness to try and separate and kind of bring that gap between um stimulus or thought and reaction would meditation help with ocd in that way yeah it, it, the simple answer is yes it does because uh med- i i use uh yeah mindfulness is my is my thing um and again i've um uh, mindfulness sorry uh, mindful meditation i should say sorry is the, is the right way of putting it um i've again tinkered with that until i found what what really helped me Um, i found it very hard at the start and i think a lot of people kind of say that because you're i think when you, for me when i started mindfulness i was overthinking it so i was there going what way am i meant to feel am i meant to feel this huge relief but i think i think and you you definitely know more about it than me Stephen. but what i think i've seen with looking into mindfulness and meditations that they recommend is to keep going with it to keep doing it because experience makes it better and i've seen that myself so i remember at the first ever time i introduced myself to um, mindfulness was a guy called paddy brosnan no and uh, i went to a, a workshop up in city west i think it was a long time ago and i even found that workshop really helpful and i remember he did a few uh, mindfulness exercises and there was loads of people in a room but I remember leaving that day just feeling just so relaxed and calm and just, you know, not a major 
it's not like I walked out, you know, going, oh, this is great. It was more just feeling nice and calm. No drama, just I noticed it had made a difference kind of thing, you know. And from there, I started, um, I, you know, when I was really bad with the OCD and, and then, sorry, especially when I got diagnosed and part of my recovery, I was actually doing it quite regularly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what I found is taking that moment to yourself, if it's five minutes, 10 minutes, or it's a half an hour uh, session of mindful meditation or meditation or mindfulness or whatever it may be, if anything, it stops the brain from, from the thoughts you're going through in that moment or at that time, because you are being mindful. You're, I, I think they just, I think a very good way of describing this, our brains are on autopilot all the time. But if you're suffering with a mental health illness or OCD, um, the brain, brain can be quite, uh, that the, the noises, the, 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 the voices, not the chattering away and, and telling you you're not good enough and stuff like that. Taking a moment to do mindfulness stops that. And, it, and again, I, I try to keep things so simple. Sometimes people get a bit overwhelmed with advice and go, mindfulness, it does this, it does that. But I think if you stop and go, okay, hold on a minute here. What can mindfulness do for me right now? Okay, well, it can stop me overthinking for a minute, even if it's for five minutes. And it's just taking the brain in a different direction for that moment. And that alone is how, sorry, that would be one of the ways I look, even yeah. just to give myself some temporary relief. Yeah. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. Like it hits me in the head and so much of it because there's one thing that I often, whenever I'm teaching mindfulness, is that um, I try to help people, especially people that are new, to um, let go of any anticipation or any striving that it should be a certain way or should be. It should, uh, and it's, it's very hard when you take on something new. There's always this kind of process to it that you feel, oh, I should be doing this or I should be doing that or I should be thinking a certain way. And for me, especially as well, is that like with mindfulness, it's about letting go of any desire to think in a certain way. And just it's like if you think of a snow globe, right? It's like if you shake up a snow globe and it's just full, you can't see through it. But it's literally by just letting go of any anticipation, any thought and everything just settles to the bottom. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. when you get that clarity and uh, that vision. It's um, but I'm delighted to know that though, that mindfulness has helped in some way, because when you're talking about it, I was thinking like, yeah he's like it's it's about just giving yourself that little bit of space um which is fantastic and it kind of it leads on to a a question i want to ask because i ask every single guest and um the reason i ask this question is because every single person has a different interpretation of mindfulness different interpretation of mindful living and i think it's very very important for people to hear this because so many people think that um mindfulness has to be done a certain way people have uh, that the, the people that all oh, those people that practice mindfulness they sit in a, a corner in a room for 20 minutes in the morning 20 minutes in, in the evening and that's the only way to practice i could yeah. never do that and yeah. i'm just saying the re mm. yeah and uh, i i struggle and i'd be i'd be always been very transparent about my own practice that, that sometimes i struggle to sit and practice so i have to bring it into my life in other ways so sorry i'm kind of gone tangent there but the question i want to ask is what does mindful living mean to you? Yeah. So I, again, l- listen to the way you're talking about it. There it resonates with me so much in that um, people think in order to do mindfulness, you need to be sitting in a room with candles on, incense burning, and all that. And the reality is that you don't. So to answer your question, first of all, what does mindful living mean to me? It's for me. At the point I'm at now, and I, I'm glad I'm at the point I'm at now because I think I have it right, but I think I have it right for me, is that it's learning just 
to live in the now, to live in the moment. That doesn't mean I'm going around 24 7, 365, just living in the moment. It's just having the ability to do it if I need to do it. And that's how it's worked for me. So, for example, right, I can do it, for example, um, I'll give another example of in work, right? Um, thankfully, my OCD moments are, are, have gone literally from a million to a hundred. And that's not exaggerating. That's how good it is, right? But what I've learned, a way of learning to use mindfulness is if I'm having a moment, right? And I also learned this through a book about OCD I read called Brain Lock, right? So I'm in work, I'm having a moment. OCD is knocking on the door, trying to get in, right? I, I have learned through this book, first of all, but through practicing mindfulness and, and trying to understand how it works is that I'm able to stop in the moment and go, okay, what's happening here? This is not you. You're, you know, I'm obsessing over the batch number again, right? I'm saying, this is not you. This is your OCD. This is your OCD knocking on the door. It's not you. It's not your thought. And walking away. So that's, a, that's, a, that's an OCD moment. Sorry, that's, that's where I have used mindfulness to help me. And I'm not in a room for 20 minutes. I'm just in the moment. And I think with OCD recovery, that's the key is... When we're in their moments, most when you're really bad, it takes over. But it's it's having a tool to to stop and go, okay, what's going on here? And having that awareness to stop and go, that's what's on here. So with OCD, that for me is is mindful living. That for me is mindful living. But the thing is, it's a very hard thing to do. It takes a lot of practice, you know. Um, and then in normal life, Sivo, maybe just going for a walk. First of all, when I go for a walk or a run, I don't use headphones. Because I want to be there. Mm-hmm. I want to be in the moment. I want to be r- recognizing and looking at the trees and the sky and listening to the sounds around me, right? And when I'm going for a run, for example, I am, I'm looking at the trees. I'm not obsessing over them, but I'm watching it and I'm walking and going, oh my God, this is so beautiful. That's been mindful. Whereas if I'm up there going, right, later on, I'm running along, later on, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Oh, Jesus, tomorrow I've got something else. Then you're not being mindful. So, it's simplifying it, I think, is a good thing. And and just noticing. Just noticing yeah. when when it's not working. That's that's actually one of the biggest things that um, mindfulness has ever given me is mm. that um just that ability to notice when yeah, geez, like I like <laughs> you, you give out to someone and you go, Oh, you're in a bad mood. Why are you in a bad mm. mood, Stephen? <laughs> you know, it's it's the simple things, yeah. you know? It's the simple, simple good things we can get from it. Um Stephen, like I absolutely loved our conversation. Is actually, is there something that we haven't talked about or haven't touched on that you'd love to talk about, or that you you think would help other people? Um. Yeah. Look, I w- one thing. I, I'm very much at a stage where I think I've always been the kind of person, and I can te- I can sense it from you, I can sense it from other people in my life who are who are carers. Okay. Um, and this, my, my, actually one of my um, counsellors described this to me that some people are born in life and you're a carer you care about other people you want to help right so um, for me it's just whether you suffer from OCD or it's depression or whatever it is right just and I know I do understand there's different levels and something you said earlier on is something I go by unbelievably is that we're all different 
there's not a one-stop shop. There's no, I, I see it too many times, and I don't like being critical of experts, etc. But sometimes they're trying to push their agenda down your throat. This is the gold standard. This is what works. So the best bit of advice I can give is find what works for you. This is about you. This is your journey. And try everything. So when it comes to the help, first of all, seek, seek professional help. That is the key here. Seek professional help. But try, of the help that you're going to get and of the advice that you're going to get, try everything until you find what works for you. That's the key to it. It's your journey. It's not anybody else's. And just because A, B, and C work for a person you may know, it doesn't mean A, B, C, and work for you. So just find what works for you. And, and I mean this word not in a passive way. I mean the saying, sorry, not in a passive way, in the most honest way ever is never, never give up. Wow. I think that's that's a lovely way to just finish up this conversation, I think, is never give up on yourself, on your journey, or on just helping other people. And knowing yeah. that just having one conversation may open up someone else to go, I think I might talk about that. You know, I yeah. might get out there. So listen, Stephen, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry I, I took well over a year to, to get you on the podcast, but it has been an absolute pleasure. I have learned so much from it, and I know that there will be people out there that will learn a lot from it. Um, what I'll do is I'll get contacts uh, from yourself about um, OCD Ireland or any other resources that you feel would help people. And I'll stick them on the show notes page for when this goes live as well. So Perfect, that people yeah. have just just a signpost just to where, where to go if they want to look for more help as well. Uh, so it'll help you. But listen, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Living Guide. Thanks very much, Steve, for having me. It's been honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure um yeah thank, thanks so much and i just really hope this helps somebody i really got a lot from that episode myself and i think you'll agree that Stephen is very passionate uh, about helping others and just raising awareness uh, about ocd if uh, any of this conversation has triggered you to look for help one place to look is the ocdireland.org website where you've got lots of tips uh, about looking for help and they actually have a section for seeking help and how to get help from that and um, listen thanks so much again for joining us for this conversation and just showing that it's okay for men to talk it's okay for us to ask for help and it's okay when we're not feeling the same way we used to so please if you're in any way triggered by this episode or you feel just you know what i do need to talk reach out and find someone to talk to. And um, hopefully, like Steve said, this episode has made one difference to some person. Um, if you feel like um, sharing, I'd really, really appreciate it. You can also leave um, ratings on Spotify and on Apple that really help the show to get out to more and more people and just get the message out there that um, just about how mindfulness can help you in your everyday life. So thank you again and I'm Stephen Downey and this has been the Mindful Living Guide. <laughs>